0: Dr. Wagi, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Let's kick off with the first question. Kids age 12 and up can now be vaccinated here in Malaysia, but some countries are holding back on rolling this out. Why is this?
1: There is inequity when it comes to distribution of COVID-19 vaccines. Up to 80% of COVID-19 vaccines have gone to developed countries or what we call the more richer countries, who, as you can see, are already starting to vaccinate the children because they've already reached uh, herd immunity with the adult population. This is clearly seen, as you can see, some of the countries overseas that have already gone back to normalcy, no masking, going out. Like the parties. UK, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. UK, America. Well, the, the other countries are having soaring cases, higher number of cases. And around the world, you see at least 2 million cases and 5,000 deaths on a weekly basis. You know, So there is stark inequity here. In Malaysia, we have almost 80,000 cases per week. As well as two thousand, no, five thousand deaths in a week. Mm. So that's that's an alarming number. And yeah. this, this there will be disparity in terms of immunity. No part of the world can actually feel safe if the pandemic rages on in one part of the world, posing a risk of reintroduction to, to the to the va- to the virus and spawning of new variants. So this is where a system called the Covax facility comes into picture. So Covax is basically COVID nineteen. Vaccine Global Access Facility. This is an NGO that was started up by WHO and Gavi, where they make the high-income countries, companies, and philanthropist companies, uh, to actually to fork out the money to pay for the 92 poorest countries in the world. Well, so yeah. as you can see, in the beginning, it started off very nicely. Everybody was willing to donate. Everybody was yeah yeah. Money and everything, but slowly the richer countries sort of cornered the market and said, hey, we want to we get back to normalcy soon. So we're going to just you know, take over a, a large amount of the vaccine amount. And that's mm-hmm. what happened. And second thing that, that caused this problem to happen was the Serum Institute of India, which is one of their largest distributors, halted all exports when India had its wave recently. So mm-hmm. there was vaccines, the richer countries were getting the vaccine. So as you can see, there are so many factors at play here. So that's the reason why some countries are actually holding on to it and some countries are rolling it out.
0: Okay, so will vaccinating children save lives in general?
1: Yes, it definitely will save lives. So Malaysia has a... I'm going to go into the Malaysian statistics. So Malaysia has a population of about 32.7 million people, out of which 23% of them are children. That's 7.5 million people. So the only way we can achieve some sort of herd immunity is if we vaccinate some of the children. And when more people are vaccinated, we know that this reduces transmission rates and possibly from more variants being be formed. Um, having said that, when you vaccinate children, we want to target more of the older children for now. That's why the ages were 12 and above.
0: Got it. And and what are some of the specific concerns for kids getting the vaccines?
1: So most of the time when someone comes and asks me about the vaccines, they're worried about the side. Right. The specific concerns would be side effects, then you move on to the vaccine effectiveness and, and, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the side effects are usually quite mild, uh, very minor. They usually get a bit of uh, fever, mild fever, some body ache, a bit of pathology for a couple of days. By the third day, they're all fine. I got my vaccine a few months ago and exactly that. The first two days, you feel a little bit out, but you just rest it out and you're fine. The mm-hmm. one of the very rare side effects that is being... Uh, you see it all over the social media is myocarditis yeah. with the mRNA vaccine. Yeah. And uh, till date, there are about 300 over cases. Actually, there were more than 600 that were reported, but out of which only 300 over that were confirmed to be myocarditis. But they're still doing studies to see whether there is a direct link between the myocarditis cases with the vaccine itself so they're still researching this right Right. so we to say that oh this is going to cause you to have that this is going to cause you to have this there's this uh, I'm not even going to go into the other side effects of other vaccines because for children we're only talking about Pfizer Mm -hmm. at the moment so what we do know is these myocarditis cases are mild and all of them have recovered according to the American Academy of Pediatrics most of these cases were in males Uh, even CDC uh, released this information so most of them were in males following the second dose of their mRNA vaccine the Pfizer vaccine and uh, it was on the fourth to fifth day post second dose Mm. and actual COVID-19 infections can cause myocarditis but a much worse form and they can even cause cardiac arrest which is when your heart stops beating so having a mild symptom is much better than actually getting the full-blown version of it. Marikarditis is so rare, but COVID-19 infection is not. It is so common that to look at this rare side effect and say, I'm not going to get it, but mm. I'd rather get the COVID itself. I mean, you're looking, you're weighing your risk versus benefit ratio. Too, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. So, you know, talking about kids, can all kids get vaccinated or should some way, can you walk us through that?
1: So... Yes, in some way. So in June 2021, it is currently recommended by CDC, the Center for Disease Control, American Academy of Pediatrics, AAP, AHA, which is the American Heart Association, WHO, we know, World Health Organization, and ACIP, right, which is the Advisory Committee for Immunization Practices for children more than 12 years old studies are still ongoing for the younger ages but i won't even go into that at the moment so we will still talk about just the 12 years birth. however priority should be given to children with underlying diseases or who are immunocompromised so if you have a child who's got a very brittle asthma if you've got a child who's got chronic kidney disease if you've got a child who's got some sort of blood disorder uh, medications that can suppress the immunity. These are the children that we should be focusing on, rather than you know, blanket everybody twelve years old going get a shot. You know, but of mm-hmm. course, if you're in the richer country where everybody else has already got it, then yes, you should get your vaccine. So twelve years onwards.
0: Okay, doc. How do you view the argument that doses destined for kids should be given to frontliners and vulnerable adults instead, if we want to save more lives?
1: That's a tricky question. Very good mm-hmm. argument, I would say. Um, they should be given to frontliners, elderly, vulnerable adults, and to me, the workforce adults, right? But having said that, most countries rolled out to frontliners from the beginning itself, like Singapore started in December 2020. So most of the frontliners, I would say, already have taken their vaccine, um, albeit for a small amount that couldn't get it for whatever reason. So most of the frontliners have got it, but the workforce adults have not taken it yet. Some may argue that children... Um, so this is like a moral and an ethical dilemma here. Yeah. Some may argue that children get little benefit because the vaccine, uh, most of them, if they get COVID-19, are asymptomatic. They have mild diseases. In fact, the, the death rate or the mortality is less than 2 in 1 million that have actually died of COVID-19 in children. Right. But it still remains the top 10 causes of death in children in America in the USA. So some countries argue... That by vaccinating children, it helps reduce transmission to others by contributing to herd immunity. So herd immunity is a point in which the community, it, there is enough vaccines, vaccinated people, population in the community that the virus can't have a party and spread it to different different parts, you know, and right, yeah. as as divide and conquer basically for yeah. us. Yeah, like, right, yeah. So right. you're trying to achieve that point. So whether that point is at 70%, whether that point is at 60%. Like, I'll give you an example of measles vaccine. To achieve herd immunity for measles vaccine, that you actually need above 90% of the population to be vaccinated. So wow. That's why it's very important for measles vaccine to be in the national immunization program. But for COVID-19 vaccine, we're not sure at what point this herd immunity is. Generally, we want more than 50% of the population. I know there's a lot of talk going on. Her, herd immunity is not important. But when you talk about vaccinology, when you talk about immunization, for for years, there is a point in time where the community's vaccinated population has to be higher than the unvaccinated for you to have some sort of benefit from the vaccination. Itself.
0: Right. And, you know, there's that thing, of sort of especially when schools start to go back, uh, hopefully soon, <laughs> you know, um, kids are always getting, you know, their colds, bringing them home when they're actually in the school, sort of the, the school population. So this would actually lower transmission for that.
1: Yes, so a lot of people are mistaken in the sense that children are super spreaders. No, children are not super spreaders. They can spread the virus. Um, So that's why getting more and more children vaccinated is actually beneficial because when children, when you actually vaccinate older children, it is much more beneficial because that studies have shown that the older kids or the older teens actually mimic adults when it comes to virus transmission. So the right. younger ones may not transmit it as much, but the older ones do. Hence why WHO started with 12 to 17 immediately. Because we know that the older ones, and I mean, we all know teenagers. You tell them to wash your hands, I'm not going to wash my hands. <laughs> oh, you tell me to wash my hands. My, hand, my right, you know, all that stuff starts coming in. Whereas if mm-hmm. you take a kindergarten kid and you tell them to wash your hands, okay, you know, and then you've got a nice little cartoon picture, washing hands, everybody will follow very nice. So the younger kids, <laughs> Not so much in following orders compared to older children, but the disease transmission is higher in the older teens, and it all, almost is the same as adults. That's why I think it's very important for the older ones. And in fact, our country is rolling out for the Form 5 and uh, the Form 6, I think the SPM, STPM students, and mm-hmm. hopefully in the private sector will be the IGCSE and the O-level students. Well,
0: those darn teenagers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> tell me about one i got one at home who's still asleep all right um in what way are the staff administering the vaccines uh making them kid ready you know especially for you know special needs kids or those with phobias that may require more understanding are other staff po- posts ready for this okay so
1: staff handling children will most likely be deployed for children's vaccination, will most likely be deployed to schools. I think uh, YB has mentioned that they'll try and do it in certain schools. So they're in a safer environment. They're in their own, uh, what we call home environment, you know, in the sense that, hey, this is my school, this is my teacher, this is my class, blah, blah, blah. So the environment makes the difference. Rather than going to some hall uh, in the middle of nowhere and, you Mm -hmm. know, it's a random place and things like that, and you don't know anything anywhere And you're not sure what is happening. So confusion starts with the kid. And then nurses in general have training and they have protocols that they have to follow during the vaccination process. So it's not just, you know, okay, vaccinate and go. You know, there is a certain protocol that they have to follow. Having said that, certain uh, vaccination centers have what we call a calm room, right? So these calm rooms are for special children, maybe needle phobic children maybe children who are anxious or nervous in crowds. Mm-hmm. And this is a quiet room that is away from all these crowds that will be able to reduce, help reduce their nervousness or their anxiety when they get that shot. So it's not in the eye of the world where they're getting it, where, you know, they're so concerned, like some are a little bit shy or a little bit, you know, concerned about moving their clothes and things yes, like that. Over yeah. children, And some are like, if you, if you're on the spectrum, You've got a very anxious child overwhelmed mm-hmm. child with all the new sensory uh, going sensory, yeah you know, sensory disorders and all so when you take them to a nice quiet room where it's just the nurse and the mother or the father or even both parents that to calm the child down, um, I think it's much better in that sense so you allow a parent to accompany the child so most vaccine centers for children will allow one parent if it's a normal child and uh, if it's a special child, usually both parents can go in so there's no issue with. It. Uh, accompanying to give them a little bit more uh, um, security or security, yeah. calm their nerves and things like that. Actually, okay. I think
0: some adults could do with that. Yeah, well, so, you know. <laughs> some of the videos <laughs> being shown around.
1: Absolutely. So I was recently a volunteer at the OKU drive to uh, vaccine which was organized by Sam Davi Plantation and we have a calm room there and these are for adult OKUs, uh, adults with autism, you know, so adults with any sort of sensory problems and we had a few that actually benefited from the room and it was so much more calmer to do it there rather than in the eyes of the media and everybody's mm-hmm. walking around and you know so you just put them out of the car in their wheelchair put them in the room and there's even a bed so they can lie down if they feel anxious you know and they can right. get it lying down sitting down in whatever way that they want to even on the floor we had one who sat on the floor and whatever mm-hmm. way that calmed them down i think that's the way to go get them when, when they're most comfortable
0: that is so amazing to hear seriously um okay So let's talk about vaccination day. What are the do's and don'ts for our kids? Like what practical tips can you share that would help the kids on the day off or prepare them before the day off? Run us through what you've learned so far that works.
1: Okay. So I'm going to go through the do's first. All right. So do prep your child, prepare your child, talk to your child, of course, age appropriately. So you've got a 12-year-old that's not so sure what's going on with the world. Don't tell them, we're in a pandemic, there are germs everywhere, this virus is going to kill you, <laughs> there's going to be problems and all that. So you'll speak to them in an age-appropriate language. If you've got a teenager who's, I don't know, there are some very computer savvy that look, that look up data and go like, you know, mommy, there 5,000 cases today. And, you know, so you want to talk to them in an age-appropriate way to mm-hmm. prepare them. So what are you going to prepare them about? The process. You're going to prepare them about the process of where you're going what you're going to do, why are we doing this? You're also going to tell them the size of the needle, which I think I mentioned to Asha before this. It's like the smallest needle that we have for inoculating for vaccines, you know? So it's right. almost painless. A will a few who might feel it a little bit, but I'm, I'm a little bit phobic myself and I didn't feel anything. I think I was just so excited to get the vaccine. I didn't even feel it. she <laughs> <I laughs> went in and out and I'm like, oh, you're done? And she's like, yes, I'm done. So it's okay. really fast, very small needle. Sorry, you are going to say
0: something? No, I was just going to say, like, you know, reference points help with kids. Are we talking, like, mosquito bite, fire ant bite? Are we talking about, like, little, little scratch? Um,
1: Mosquito bite.
0: Less than a mosquito bite. Wow, okay. really? Bite. Good to know. Yeah. All right. Sorry, yeah. carry on.
1: <laughs> it's less than a mosquito bite. Like, you know, mosquito bites you can feel, and then you go, like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. yeah, this is, like, oh, you're done? Oh, my God. And I bought my own sticker. So, I had, like, a princess <laughs> For myself, and so I was excited to put my plaster. So that's a tip for the younger <laughs> ones: let them choose their own plaster rather than you know bringing uh, your own. You know, they'll put a cotton ball or you know some right, round. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit of a cartoon person, so I love my cartoons. You've got whatever cartoons out there that your child likes. Tell them, doesn't bring their own plaster, so they feel better. And uh, once it's done, you put your own plaster. They have no worries with that. So back to back to prepping them with the process, the size of the needle. Um, and how small it is, the location. So if they're going to their school, you tell them, hey, you're going back to your school and you are going to get it. You know, my teachers might be there. You might meet your old friends there. And of course, the waiting period at the end, you know, because they're like, okay, we're done. Why are we not going back? You know, because mm. you've got to observe them for 15 to 30 minutes. So you have to prep them at all these aspects. And, and the other way that you can also do is to reassure them that, hey, I got my vaccine. Now it's your turn, you know, I'm okay. So you're going to be fine as well. You know, so by example, leading by example for a parent, hopefully Mm -hmm. the parent would have got it for the child, (laughs) but that's what they're aiming at at this point. Um, Another do is to stay calm, right? So stay calm, both parents. um, And when you stay calm, your child doesn't feed off the anxiousness or the nervousness from you, because if you're freaking out, you're scared, your child is obviously going to go like, oh my God, my mom is scared. That means something bad's going to happen to me, Mm -hmm. you know, so to remain calm and reassure your child so so that helps a lot
0: so don't go oh my poor baby gonna get that's- needle injected oh no sayang <laughs> <laughs> yeah calm <laughs> down, <laughs> down man
1: exactly. yeah Treats help. uh so you feel very hungry after the vaccine
0: yeah a why is that a lot hungry? of people have been saying that
1: I had banana leaf rice and usually once you have banana leaf, you're like full for days and I was hungry in two hours and I kept eating the first day. Like it was just nonstop eating. So let the child decide what's for lunch or what's for dinner. Hey, it's your treat, whatever you want. You know, wherever you want to go, fast food, you want to go to the mama and you know, papao something or whatever. Let them choose the food that they want. You can even bring along a treat because uh, um, I've been vaccinating since I've been a pediatrician for a donkey number of years and yeah. a lot of them bring their soft toy they bring something that's comforting to them. Right. All of yes. them bring their own, uh, you know, they have a hanky, what we call bantal ban- buso, you know, yeah, they, yeah, have yeah. A, yeah, they have something that they can hold on to, comfort, you know, something that mm-hmm. comforts them, let them bring it along, right? Um, Allow them to take a break from school or online classes for a few days after the vaccine, right? A lot of us are like, oh, they're missing out on school. No, no, you just got a shot. It's fine, you'll be fine. Go back to work, go back to class, go back to your online work or whatever. Give them a break at least two to three days, give them a break, let their body rest, but be mm-hmm. vigilant after the vaccine because in case they've got a fever or whatever, have your paracetamol on standby if they complain of pain. Ensure as a parent, ensure they have a healthy meal and lots and lots of fluid. So drink a lot of water, juices, whatever it, whatever the child wants to drink. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah. Another tip to do is let them register if they have their own phone. Yeah? If they're not a dependent, if they have their own phone, register them separately under their own my Surgery account, right that helps a lot especially as they're growing um they're going to go out with friends or they're going to go out on their own they will need their own my profile pro because they can't be taking your phone and you know going around so
0: that, i have that's- a question so. about that what if you've yeah. already registered under yours can they then like register with their own details on their own phone separately again
1: so at the moment, there's a lot of glitches in the nice charter system. So I would say if you have not registered a dependent for vaccine, registering dependent as a child is different than registering dependent for vaccine. So they're two separate registrations. So if you register your, your dependent vaccine, you, I'm sure you will be able to take it out sooner or later. But at this point, if, if your child is more of the outdoorish kind of person, if they have their own phone, just register them separately. So it makes it a lot easier rather than backtracking and trying to change it
0: Mm -hmm. like that okay and what are the don'ts
1: don'ts would be don't tell lies you know don't tell them we're going to talk food but then you actually bring them for the shot surprise (laughs) you're going to see the doctor actually don't tell them lies tell them what they're going for where they're going and things like that don't rush them you know, a child needs time. If they're throwing a tantrum, I don't want to get the shot. Maybe just tell the doctor, could I just could you just give us a moment, maybe get the next person in? Let me just talk to my child again. Don't rush your child. Hey, no, there are so many people waiting. You know, what are you wasting? The doctor's time, wasting the nurse's time, wasting my time. I have to go back to work. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Don't rattle on. This is not about you. This is about your child. So don't rush them. Don't force them. I said don't force them to go to school. I mentioned this earlier, because mm-hmm. they're gonna feel tired. I was exhausted and I slept at 6 o'clock in the evening after eating puns. I slept at 6 <laughs> o'clock in the And you sleep a lot because your body needs the rest. You know, the body is doing a lot building up your antibodies. Mm. So let them rest. Don't force feed them. So if they say, I don't want to have porridge, don't make porridge. You know, let them eat whatever they want. But make yeah. sure they have lots of nourishing liquids instead. So nourishing fluids, broth, soups, that helps rather than forcing them to eat a porridge that grandma made or something, you know. Mm. So don't force feed eat them. Um, and of course, don't miss your second appointment. So if Pfizer vaccine has two appointments. Do not miss the second appointment because now with all the variants, we know that if you get the second dose, it actually protects you against, there's about 80-something, 88% protection against the Delta variant. So with single dose, it's only 30 to 40%. So you right. don't want to miss your second dose. And the last don't is don't stop wearing your mask and don't stop following SOPs. Mm. We have less than 10% of our Malaysians that are vaccinated complete their vaccination, less than 10%. So this is not the time for you to stop following SOPs just because you got your first shot. No, do not stop following the public health measures that are already in place. And please encourage your children to continue wearing a mask, especially if they're going out in crowded areas, public spaces, things like that. Um, I'm going to add in I know I said last but I'm going to still add in one more is don't organize post-vaccine parties
0: people so do that? What? people do that? what?
1: vaccinated, your kids get vaccinated let's have a vaccine we all eat together you know so don't do that so because, <laughs> yeah There's the durian party lately. so um, there's going to be post-vaccine parties everybody wants to celebrate getting vaccinated so don't do that yeah we're not out of the
0: pandemic yet yeah you yeah
1: that, definitely so yeah. those are my do's and don't
0: Those are super helpful. Um, Just the thought of having durian after you've had a vaccine kind of makes me feel a bit queasy because, you know, the propensity of having a possible fever, you know, something heaty already is not exactly the nice thing. But um, I'll be sure to put uh, jelly in the fridge, make jelly um, or even a trifle because I know that always goes down well when you're not hungry, you want something cold. Um, But here's, I guess, my last question. Um, And I'm not really giving an option here, but um, would you be my son's pediatrician, please?
1: The two places you can look me up maybe in John Publica and Arda Medical Center. Nice. Okay. I'm gonna
0: be going for my vax soon. Uh, hopefully it's gonna be whatever it is. So I have my my checklist already. I have to have my my cartoon uh, plaster from after I get my jab. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, I have to bring my bantal busuk and also make sure I have uh, banana leaf rice after that. Right.
1: But no dining in, so exactly. will
0: bunkus, okay, cool. Bunkus. Don't forget your treats. Exactly, You're to take treats with you as well. I am set for my vaccination, man. <laughs> Doc, is there anything we need to be aware of after the kids have had their vaccine?
1: So you've got to be aware of mild symptoms, or sometimes nothing at all. They might feel a little bit of fever, sometimes body aches, a little bit of site where the weather injection site soreness, uh, some lethargy. So you've got to stand by some paracetamol, simple paracetamol for children, lots of nourishing drinks um, and soups and whatever food, comfort foods I would say as sometimes some children also get a little bit of vomiting, nausea or diarrhea or they might have mm-hmm. a bit of tummy upset. So you want to be able to give them whatever that they want to eat at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, my personal tip is to wash your hair on the day of getting the vaccine. Because sometimes your arm is so sore that you can't lift to actually wash your hair. Right. When you wash your hair on the day of the vaccine, it actually helps. You don't have to worry about washing your hair. Like <laughs> it takes a long time for women to wash our hair, so no. especially the boys. Uh, yes. Boys also because sometimes you still need to lift your hand up. So that's that's my personal tip. The last thing that I wanted to just say is immunization or the COVID nineteen vaccine is not a silver bullet. Right. It's not going to end everything. It's not gonna. It's not the one stop cure for everything. You've got to still put in place all the public health measures that are already out there until, at some point, we feel that this has been in control. The disease is uh, much more calmer, and we don't have to worry about. There's gonna. It's gonna be endemic with, within our community, but we just don't want clusters to spread here and there and variants mm-hmm. to form. So it's not a silver bullet, but it's what we have at the moment. It is a bullet, you know. Like um, so. We've got to make sure that we maintain our SOPs. We stay at home unless it's absolutely necessary, and until our population, is more of our population is actually vaccinated.
0: So I just want to ask: on the you know rare occasion that perhaps a child um, reacts a little bit more strongly towards the vaccine in terms of the okay. side effects, what should we be looking out for, uh, or what should we be worried about?
1: Okay, so. Like the the rarest one that I mentioned was the myocarditis. So that happens usually after the second dose. Usually the first dose, you won't feel much. It's the second dose that you actually feel a little bit more because that's where the booster act for the vaccine works. Mm -hmm. And um, the symptoms that you're looking for are like maybe chest pain. You feel your heart is pounding. Mm -hmm. uh, You feel breathlessness. So if you feel any of these alarming sort of things, I would recommend you go to a nearby hospital emergency rather than the clinic because sometimes the clinics, they, they won't know, uh, not that they won't know, they, it's just easier, safer and well managed in a hospital emergency because the equipment is far, far more mm-hmm. better compared to a clinic where they will probably have to refer you and then you might, you know, you might waste a little bit of time going from one clinic to another clinic before right. you actually go. So hospitals are equipped to managing post-vaccine uh, uh, side effects.